We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before you guys listen to another episode of the Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash the corner podcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month. You guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way, we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale, who is dialed in from Dallas. Yeah. Right? Dallas yeah. Fight Week. Um, man, you're going to have to explain what this Cirque de Soleil style entrance was that they did at this fight press conference. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm still confused since I saw that earlier today. So uh, Dre is there. We got boxing to talk. Obviously, we have UFC, a major pay per view. It's in Canada this weekend with Max Holloway. A lot of moving and shaking in pro wrestling. WWE are trying some new things or trying some old things, depending on how you look at it. So we got to dive into that as well. But first, taking our little lap around. The Twitter sphere, 
the biggest news, in my opinion, you know, humble opinion, comes from us. Wrestling with Stereotypes 2 officially announced Chicago August 30th. Dre, you, you didn't even warn me. It was just sprung on me. They didn't warn me either. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was coming. They just didn't tell me it was happening that day. So, yeah, surprise. Um, StarCast made the announcement. And that's what we have been working on for the past since the end of the last one, I mean, as yeah. soon as as soon as Starcast ended, I talked to Conrad, and uh, it came up because apparently those that did show up, like we didn't, you know, there's no secret, it wasn't like a huge audience. But I just kept getting contacted by people that were upset that they missed it, and then between that and the crazy buzz of uh, Cody and Brandy's comments that I had posted, and that went viral with AOC, and then it's like. X-Pac had hit me and a bunch of other wrestlers had hit me afterwards and was, they all wanted to be a part of it. Conrad just kept hearing about it. So I was already like, yo, I'd like to do this again in Chicago. You know, if we could do it. He was like, I'm already ahead of you. Like, do you want to be on the main stage? I want you as like the main stage Friday night. Um, and this is before CM Punk got announced. This is before I knew MJF was doing anything. We were one of the first people that I know that he contacted. So... It was just trying to get it all figured out. Um, we still haven't announced our roster yet of who's going to be involved, but uh, I guarantee it's going to be a mixture of uh, AEW and uh, some other talent that you people may know. Uh, that covers a wide gamut of people from different racial backgrounds, different genders, um, s sexual orientations. So it's going to be a good one, man. Friday night, uh, whatever the hell that day is, was that August 30th? August 30th, 6 o'clock Central Time. Yeah, 6 o'clock Central Time, uh, about a 90-minute show that we'll have. we got a lot of people that we're going to be talking to. And we're in and the crazy thing is we're in between two great shows. We're in between MJF's one-man show and, uh, <laughs> and Moxley. So we got prime real estate, man. So it's, it's, it's what everybody's been talking about. Like, I, you know, I left the last one. I felt pretty good about it because I know we had a great conversation. I know a lot of people talked about it. But I didn't think that there was this much uh interest in this in this conversation to continue so yeah if you're going to be in chicago for starcast please come through you know we'd love to have you as part of this conversation because again this is two it's like we're trying to be like wrestlemania we're trying to get up to like 35 of these shits so and it's a necessary conversation so we're going to continue to build on it exactly man and i really think this one will open even more eyes being on fight tv being in that time slot you were talking about uh being on the main stage because I, I think our first one, and kudos to all our guests and everyone that came through and all the crazy logistics it took on the back end to even make it happen. Um, I, I think that one was good enough to be on this level in this stage. But it, you know, it, it just set that up. So the second one, I have no doubt that the quality of it and the quality of conversation, the stories the people are going to tell you know, is going to be more than enough to... Uh, really hold our own on, on that level. Because, man, MJF can cut a promo. The guy can talk. Moxley is Moxley. So, you know, we're, we're up on this stage with these guys on that same, like, type of platform. So I have no doubt we're going to deliver. And uh, shout out to everyone who listens to the podcast, who supports the podcast. You, you guys helped spread that message. It was, you know, everyone talking on Twitter and watching the YouTube video and listening to that episode when it dropped on... Uh, on SoundCloud when I put that out. And between all of that, I mean, we're up in the 5,000 range. So it didn't really matter how many people were in the room. Our reach beyond that was crazy. 
So yeah. I, I feel like this is even bigger. So, man, I'm ready. Chicago, it's almost a month away, but I feel like we're prepared. So, so that was great. That was a great announcement. Had to kick off the show talking about that. Outside of that, Dre, I know you have like two days off, but I'm assuming you did nothing but be an old man and uh, hang out with the coolest baby on earth. <laughs> so that did you see Lion King? Did you take no. her to see it? Oh, you Yeah, I didn't get a chance to. It was uh, it's just been busy, man. Cause like, as soon as as soon as Pacquiao Thurman ended, um, it's really like I had one day off, and the next day I was out here in Dallas. Oh yeah, fight. you flew so. out on Tuesday. Um, yeah, so I went and took my kids to see Lion King last week. Uh, we went all three of us. I think we went on Monday. My little day off. We all went. Got the popcorn, sat down. I just saw Aladdin not too long ago, and Aladdin was actually really dope and exceeded my expectations, so I was giving this a chance. And it wasn't horrible until Beyonce showed up, Dre. Oh, I want, I want, yes, I, I, I don't care about the plot. I ain't giving nobody. Everybody knows there's no spoilers for Lion King. FYI, it came out in 95. Everybody knows the plot. I'm letting you know the conversation is when is when is it okay for us to be real and say she ain't got it? She ain't got it. So many other people could have done so much better in that role. And they went above and beyond. Only spoiler. <laughs> they went above and beyond to make sure Beyonce was focused on prominently. More so than, you know, the original movie. They they went overboard. I understand they're paying her a lot of money. She's Beyonce. She brings in a, a large audience of the Beehive. So they had to give her maybe some more shine. It was too much. And she's not good. It was cringeworthy. And it was just her voice. It's not even like you have to worry about her awkward hand mannerisms. But it was like me listening to Foxy Cleopatra from Austin Powers. Oh, it bothered me to my core, Dre. You got to see this movie. Like, and you're not hard on, on Beyonce. What what is your thoughts on her as an actress? All right, you're so a thespian. We're doing this. We're, All right. we're doing this. For those who who listened last week, I said that we're not. We haven't really made it unless we can be critical of our own and not be called haters. Beyonce is a horrible actress. Thank you. And it's, this is this is not hate. This is not this like. I mean, all right. Between us and everybody that's listening to this podcast. I don't listen to Beyonce's music. And I've probably said this before. Like, if you asked me if I had to pick somebody's music that I would listen to between Beyonce and Rihanna, it'd be Rihanna. Rihanna's got more songs that slap. That's just my that's just my opinion. I don't listen to Beyonce's music. That doesn't mean it's bad. <laughs> I just don't listen to it. In terms of being an actress, though, I have seen her in movies. She's terrible. She's just... It, it's, it has something to do with how she delivers her lines and her Texas drawl that come together, and it just sounds really, really bad. And like, in, like, listen, Dreamgirls, Austin Powers, the, she she's not good. Yeah, she's, one when she was like fighting a man who tried to break into the home or something. It's or she's, ex-girlfriend. I don't know. It's one of those. Movies. We have to be honest with ourselves. She's not a good actress. She's a phenomenal talent. An incredible singer. She's a terrible actress. It's not her bag. Like, look, man, I'm a, I'll even go back because I don't need to see Lion King. I've heard like a couple of lines and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, it's not the greatest. And but, but the thing is, like, I, I mean, again, I've mentioned Austin Powers and I've mentioned um, Dreamgirls. 
Like, you can't even go further back, and I know people say, it's so early in a career. But if anybody remembers that Carmen hip-hop opera thing. That, oh, that the amp opera. Yeah. yeah dog. It was terrible in that. Like, yo, she's not a good actress. I'm not hating on her. Again, she's a phenomenal talent. And people will be like, oh, the Beehive's coming for you. No, because y'all keep lying to yourselves. Look, it's okay to be critical about Beyonce being an actress. She's not a good one. She's no. just not it. That's it. it. It wasn't good. And, you know, Donald Glover is not escaping, you know, the wrath of this rant. He had some awkward moments um, compared to the first. But he, he was saved and helped a lot throughout the movie because uh, Timon and Pumbaa are incredible. So um, I know Seth Rogen plays one of them. I forgot who plays the other. But... That duo is just incredible in this movie. And even, you know, lending lines and taking some of their own stuff and, and mixing it in. So that was great. And that helped Donald Glover. It's just, oh, Beyonce makes me cringe. And I think you, you nailed it. It's like that, that Southern Texas drawl and the way she delivers everything. And then now she can't even play it off because it's all like CGI. So only thing you get from her is voice. And it's just cringeworthy. There was Jeez. times where I like had to put my hand, my head in my hands, like, "Yo, why?" There's so many other actresses that could have played it. Why? She's she's just not a good actress. Then she's it? not. Other people can sing. Other women can sing. Like it, it would have been so much better with someone else. To me, she didn't even add that much star power to the cast. Like I haven't heard too many people say, "Yo, I'm going to watch this movie because Beyonce's in it." Like it's The Lion King. People were going anyway. Right. Like, you didn't add too much to the, the drawing power of this movie by adding Beyonce. So it, it was just, uh, to me, that's what really whacked it out for me. I was like, oh, Beyonce's so whack as an actress. And I was you know what? If I got to take the wrath of the beehive, I got to take it. We just got to be honest, though. Like, sooner or later, we got to have this honest conversation where we just got to tell her, nah. Like, no. Like, just sing and dance. Not everybody's a triple threat. Not everyone's a five-tool player. Some exactly. people are specialists. It's okay. She can be a specialist. Ugh, it's not good. So when are you watching? The movie is good. Obviously, you can only mess up The Lion King so much. Uh, go watch it. My kids had a great time watching it. Um, there's very funny moments in there. You know, everyone knows the Mufasa Simba thing. So it, it was good on that end. And then you let me know what you think of Beyonce. <laughs> Hopefully, they don't cast her for anything else. And we'll see how The Little Mermaid goes after this. Because I feel like every year they're going to drop a new live action until we get completely sick of it. And then they'll say they still don't care because they're making money. Pretty much. Yep. And we'll just see how they, uh, you know, try to ruin more classics. Uh, outside of that, that spurred a conversation on Twitter, which I didn't see you hop into, but you're a busy man. So I figured we'd talk about it now. Donald Glover or Jamie Foxx? This is not this is not a conversation. Like I've seen this <laughs> and I didn't say anything about it. Like there's two conversations that happened, and I'll preface it with this. Somebody said that, you know, Eddie Murphy's getting this big bag for Netflix and Monique should deserve that same bag. You're fucking ridiculous. Yo, like, people have completely shit on the legend of Eddie Murphy. Like like people don't remember the 80s stand-ups. There's no, a I whole mean, sect of people who have no clue that shit went down. Look, even forget the 80s stand-ups. Even though Delirious and Raw were too... Like, not too many people can fill up arenas. Like, I mean, we talk about Kevin Hart now, but Eddie Murphy laid the blueprint for everybody. It was Richard Pryor before him. So it's like, if you talk to any comedian 
after that came into the scene around Deaf Comedy Jam time, they're pointing to Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. Not only that, people forget Eddie Murphy was making blockbuster movies in the 80s. Trading Places, 48 Hours, Beverly Hills Cop, 1, 2, and 3. That's just for starters. Boomerang. Like, I mean, the, the list goes on. Of he what went Eddie, from blockbusters to black movies. Like, like and not the good. opposite way. That's, that's king shit right there. Like, he was like, I, yo, I'm going to give y'all what y'all want, but I'm also do something for the culture. I mean, but the, then he goes back. He did, you know, Dr. Doolittle. Like, he's, he's got... And then, like, he was... You know, Nutty Professor. What? Like, yeah, like, he was excellent in Dreamgirls. Like, I'm like, dude... There is no comparison. Like, I, I get it. You know, Monique, she won, a, she won an Oscar for a performance in Precious, which is fantastic. Um, but the Parkers? Nah, bruh. She doesn't have a coming to America, dog. She has a BAPS. Yo, BAPS is fire, though. Well, she, she wasn't even have, in BAPS. I'm, I'm, like, she, have she, BAPS. she wasn't in BAPS? Like, but, yeah, but it was BAPS. No BAPS Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Queens, Queens of Comedy was weak. Um... Trying to think of the movies that Monique's been in that Nothing. were... She was just in the TV show, right? I mean, she had the Parkers. But, Moesha before then. Yeah, but it's, there's no comparison between Monique and Eddie Murphy. And that's, and again, this isn't even slander in Monique. This is like, there's levels to this shit. Like, that's like people saying Dame Lillard's on the same level as Michael Jordan. Dame Lillard's a great player. But you're comparing them to the wrong people. That doesn't fly. So... The Donald Glover, Jamie Foxx thing is the same type of thing. Like, people go, yo, listen, Donald Glover, Atlanta's phenomenal, fantastic. You know, Donald Glover made Redbone. That's great. He can rap. That's cool. But Jamie Foxx is a thespian of another level. Like, Jamie Foxx is arguably, and I will argue this, and I think David Dennis has said this as well recently, Probably one of the greatest entertainers of our generation who does not get his due. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I thought you were just going to end it at our generation. Because to me, it's Will Smith and then one A, B, C, D. No, listen, uh, listen. Jamie Foxx is a better actor than Will Smith. It's not ooh, even fucking. It's not even close. It's not even close. It's ooh, not that's even, tough. No, it's not <laughs> even close. Uh, I don't, ooh, you took it to a whole different level. I, I don't know what's, about that, man. What's Will Smith's best movie? Will Smith's best movie. Acting, I, don't, no, no. I mean, I really like Ali. Um, Pursuit okay. of Happiness was really we'll, dope. We'll use Ali because we'll, we'll, I yeah. was waiting for you to say that. Ali or but, Pursuit of Happiness. I know, but first, like, I didn't want to use Ali just because I'm talking to you. And I know but, like your in-depth love for Ali. And how you no, but it's, it's not that. But it's not that. This is what it is. Compare Will Smith's performance in Ali to Jamie Foxx's performance in Ray. It's not even fucking close. Jamie Foxx, like he bodied all, Ray though. That was such a good move. Dog, he won an award for that shit. Like, listen, did Will all, Smith win for Ali? Dog, he was trashing Ali. Like, he, <laughs> like Will Smith become like there's. All right, look, I love Sam Jackson, and I like to use this as a, I love Samuel Jackson, but Samuel Jackson ends up playing Samuel Jackson in every movie. That's fine. That's the brand he's become. That's fine for him. Will Smith tries to become another person in the film and ends up still being Will Smith. He did not do a great job of capturing the essence of Ali as an actor. Jamie Foxx became Ray Charles. Also keep in mind, Jamie Foxx was also in Ali as Bundini Brown. And 
that was more believable than what Will did. Now, forget all that. Ooh, that was a great performance. As we, I forgot about that. He gained like, weight, had the, the crazy hair for it. We're, we're talking about any given Sunday, Jamie Foxx. We're talking about the comedian. Jamie Foxx is funny as fuck. Like, his stand-ups have been spectacular. He's talented. As a singer, this dude can sing his ass off. It's not like Jamie Foxx blows Will Smith out of the water. In my, in my opinion, like, I love the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But other than that, like, Will Smith has, has done blockbuster films. But on top, first of all, like, his, his run lately has been trash. Will Smith's run of films has been bad. Seven Pounds was bad. Um, like, any, what, anything he's done recent was bad. You know, what was that? Uh, uh, the shit he did with the son, not Pursuit of Happiness, the other one. Um, that was fucking bad. I can't remember what the, fu- what the fuck it was. Like, Jamie Foxx and Django. Like, J- like dog, Jamie Foxx is I, he, arguably the best thespian of our generation. I'm talking about a performer who can sing, who is funny, who can be serious. Will Smith ain't touching him. Donald Glover doesn't enter that category because, like, Donald Glover's good at what he does, but he doesn't have that tenure. Jamie Foxx was on a living color, guys. Like, what the fuck are y'all doing? <laughs> Damn, it was. Uh, I don't know. That's such a heavy statement, though. Like, I wasn't even prepared to go there. Like, I'm thinking about it, and Jamie's, yeah, his catalog is deep. Like, his catalog is deep, and his stand-ups, I Need Security, was great. Like, listen, man, I mean, like, people talk about the music, right? And people talk about, well, you know, Childish Gambino has Redbone, and I'm like, that's cool, and it was a great song. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But let's not act like that Jamie Foxx wasn't that voice on Slow Jams with Kanye. Like, let's not act like... Jamie Foxx didn't have his own joints that slapped. Oh, Jamie got joints R and B wise. Like Jamie like, had a run. Y'all, y'all gotta relax. Like blame it on, like blame it. Come on, man. With T Pain, like stop. Jamie Foxx is oh, like, and Jamie Foxx is like fifty something, and don't even look it. He's got the immaculate hairline. I don't even know how he does this shit with his hairline. But dude, Jamie Foxx, like fuck that. Like he doesn't get enough credit for what he's accomplished. Not even close. Like, forget about it. He is, there is no, like, the Chalice Gambino thing. Like, why are we even doing that? Why do, why do people feel the need to Rushing pick- him over. I mean, and Gambino's doing his thing. Again, he is. you know. I love him, but come yeah. on, man. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if they would have just compared him to someone of this era. But you That's- really can't, because he's the only one in this, like, new crop of young kids doing it. But, but again, it's, you know, it's, it's whatever. It's like, all right, again, we're doing Dame Lillard versus Michael Jordan. Like, that's what we're doing when we do these conversations. Like, Charles Gambino, Donald Glover is still playing ball. He's still in the midst of his career. Like, he's still, entering, he's still in his prime years. Jamie Foxx is past his prime and is still doing excellent work. But his body of work is so diverse and so big. And it's been, the tenure is so long. He's established. Glover's still working. So give the man a chance to breathe. Stop fucking him, comparing him to people. It was like it, like Lebr- the LeBron Jordan argument is is intriguing now. It gets more intriguing as the years go by because now LeBron has a tenure. But yeah. before that, it was like, yo, LeBron, give him a chance. He doesn't even want to ring yet. <laughs> You're comparing him to Jordan. Like, relax. You can't even compare him to Kobe until you he until he wins a ring. Like, dog, you got to – people are so quick to, like, to compare people that don't need to be compared. And Jamie Foxx <laughs> is just a different level of entertainer given what he has done. Again, in living color, people, 
The Jamie Foxx show, fuck what you heard. Jamie Foxx show was fucking hilarious. Yo, that was fancy, everything. That doesn't get it just do. No. Like in, in it, the realm of sitcoms, the Jamie Foxx show doesn't. It's a notch below Martin, but it ain't far. Like it ain't. I, it's above, honest, it's above Wayne's Brothers. If we gonna go there, <laughs> the Jamie Foxx show as the body of work, like Martin fell off after like three seasons. Like once, and I don't, I don't want to even get too deep with that comment sports talk about. But once the uh, Tisha Campbell and, and Martin w- were having their little their little shit where they couldn't film together anymore, yeah. the show fell the fuck off, and it started relying on the same tropes. Whereas Jamie Foxx show, the more seasons that went on, the shit got funnier. Like him going from doing the jingles to like touring with Jodeci, which was fucking hilarious. To like, I I I love Martin, but I think. Martin exists for a lot of people in a vacuum and forget that it went on a little bit too long. And it kind of lost it lost what it was at a certain like once Martin had the talk show and was off the radio, it wasn't the same show. In my opinion. Ooh, you came with the heat today. <laughs> and, and I love Martin, and I love Martin, but there was a time when people said Martin was Eddie Murphy, and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? And Martin, and Martin, Martin was peak. At the time, and I, I won't even give into that comparison. Like Martin, you so crazy. That was peak Martin Lawrence. But Martin Lawrence, Kevin Hart, Mike Epps below them. That's a certain rung of, of of comedian entertainer, and that's cool. They belong where they're at. But like Eddie Murphy's the god. There, dude. There wouldn't be none of these fucking guys without Eddie Murphy. Jamie Foxx is kind of on that same path, where he went from being a, a stand-up comedian to a sitcom comedian. To a serious fucking actor. Serious. And sprinkled in a successful music career in the midst of that. Like, who the fuck is doing that? Like, legit, not Beyonce. No, bring, hell no. Not <laughs> and again, Beyonce, fantastic singer. And, like, you know, even like Jennifer Hudson, like, all people who sing don't make great music. It's, it's a fact. Just because you can sing doesn't mean you make great music. Steve Fox is sing, and he's found the right group of people to make some really good songs. There are some songs that he's made. He's made some jams. But it's just like, dog, like, stop. I didn't like, know you had this higher level admiration for Jamie Foxx. Uh, my, my admiration for Jamie, because I've, like, I've watched his career from day one as, you know, I liked him on Living Color, like fucking Duke, um, Carl the Tooth Williams. Like, there was so much <laughs> shit on Living Color. So I decided to stick with him. You know, I watched him on Def Comedy Jam. Then I watched the Jamie Foxx show. And then we finally started doing serious movies. You know, because, I mean, you have to remember also, this man paid his dues. He fucking did Booty Call, guys. Booty yeah, call. Booty Call's my joint back in the day, though. But I'm just saying, he did it. Yeah. And, and he came out of that to be a serious actor. Any given Sunday. It's one of my favorite. Willie Beeman? One of my favorite sports characters ever. Come on, like th- th- dogs, like we and, and and to go back in this whole Will Smith thing, like I can't talk about Will Smith like I talk about Jamie Foxx because the iconic roles just there's Fresh Prince and we hang our hat on that. But come on, man, you ain't going back to watch Independence Day and Wild Wild West like that. You ain't like through I mean, the happiness was great, yeah, it really was, but it, it, like it ain't Ray. No, you just think Men in Black, like Bad Boys, really set Will Smith up. for yeah, and, and I mean, like, look, again, again, Lauer? I think I think Will Smith has done great. Like he has blockbusters like Will yeah. Smith entered that blockbuster stage of his thespian career. 
Um, and when I talk about it, like that Eddie Murphy, that was an Eddie Murphy level. Everything he touched was gold at one point. And, you know, some shit fell off. But that, that's what it was. But I'm talking about in terms of like talent, you're not really touching Jamie Foxx. Jamie plays the fucking piano. I don't know what Will Smith playing. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie does everything. Yeah. He just does. I just watched him on Seinfeld show on Netflix, uh, The Riding in the Car uh, with comedians or whatever. Yep. That show is amazing. And the Jamie Foxx episode is great. Because he was talking about how like he had to drop out of college and he was going to classical piano college in New York City that his grandma paid for. And he talked about telling his grandma he had to stop so he could be a comedian. The shit was hilarious. So uh, right. no, that's a great episode. But yeah, no, like, like you said, it, it's crazy. It came across my timeline. And I was like, Dre didn't even comment on this. And it's something I feel like you would have like a strong opinion on. And lo and behold, you put in Jamie Foxx Damn near past Will Smith levels. I'm putting him past Will Smith level. Cool. I'm not damn near. Damn I'm near. Him past Just him. There, there, to me, dog, there is no, like, again, it's the body of work and the level of acting. Because I'm not talking about box office. I'm talking about how diverse his characters are. How well he is, like, yeah, Will Smith made Summertime. But play, being able to play the piano and sing is not an easy talent. And do it well. And doing stand-up comedy, like Will Smith's not doing stand-up comedy. Well, Jimmy Fox is. So all you got really left is acting. And again, I dog, Ray? Come on, man. Ray? <laughs> like, I mean, look, look, I mean, Ray, you go, there's there's just so much like Django, of course. Like Oh, Django was so good too. I mean, like, if anybody's seen Baby Driver, he didn't even have a huge role in it, but he was excellent in Baby Driver. Like, it's just, there's so many things that he's done. And he's done the bullshit movies. That, like, like, I appreciate the come up. He's still he's so slept, slept on, now that you mention it. Like, I'm thinking of all these movies. No, he was in the play. He's in Players Club. That's the fucking DJ. <laughs> he just played uh, Motherfucker Jones in that one comedy, which was hilarious. Oh. No, yo, he, he doesn't even have to be a starring lead character to make it great. No, he shows up. Like, the only role that I really didn't like him in that I can think of off the top of my head was Amazing Spider-Man 2 as Electro. I didn't really... I just yeah, didn't I just didn't like him. Yeah, so other than that, come on, man. The Jamie Foxx show in Living Color? He was on Rock. Like, it's just... Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, Jamie Foxx. Look at this. Blue, the hell with the Donald Glover conversation. Jamie Foxx versus Will Smith. Oof. All right, I feel like we're going to have people talking about that one. Um, before we move on to boxing, we got a good amount of boxing to talk about. Real quick, ASAP Brocky arrested in Sweden. We really didn't touch on it or talk about it. Uh, Trump has been tweeting, tweeted again today that he's trying to get ASAP out. I feel like he's not really trying to do anything but get some clout. But I have common sense. There are some people who believe that he's trying to do something and that he can actually get something done. I think uh, when ASAP Rocky, it seems like he's going to trial on Tuesday for assault. If he ends up beating it in Sweden, then I think Trump will take credit for that. Um, we'll see. I don't even know Swedish laws. They seem pretty, pretty damn tough on their laws. So if he gets convicted of assault, it looks like he'll just have to do time because they ain't playing around with this shit. Uh, Man. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. The video shows someone who's kind of harassing him, but that doesn't mean that you have the right to whip someone's ass. And you know what? I don't feel all too bad because of the dumb shit he said in the past. Like, okay. 
it's, it's yeah, we'll keep this brief with ASAP. Like ASAP, you motherfuckers act like he's fucking Mumia Abu Jamal. Like this motherfucker's been locked up for years. It's been like three weeks, guys. Three Relax. weeks, <laughs> tough three like, weeks. And <laughs> don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that he was wrongfully like. I'm not saying it one way or the other. I'm just saying y'all putting a lot of energy in this shit. And then when Trump comes around, like, I don't know if anybody saw it, but I like there was like the Trump people came after me. Like, and the black Trump supporters came after me. This is what the problem is. Y'all don't, you know, when Trump does something right, like, whoa, you fucking supporting a racist? Yes, he's a racist. Like, I think we've gotten past that point. Like, maybe, no, he's a racist. And he plays to his racist, like he plays to his crowd. Yeah. Just because you're friends with a black person does not make you not a racist. That's not how this shit works. But the ASAP Rocky thing, if Kanye called Trump to free ASAP Rocky, and Trump's doing it, that does not mean he gives a fuck about us. More importantly, if Kanye called, well, not even Kanye, if it was motherfucking Kendrick Lamar or Chuck D or Colin Kaepernick, arrested in Sweden, do you think Trump will be doing anything about it? Oh, hell no. It, it's right. selective, right? Like, he, he chooses his battles wisely. Exactly. Now, look, the whole, like, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are friends with Trump, and, you know, Kim's trying to be an attorney, whatever, whatever. You know, they, they you know, I, like, the thing is, like, I don't think Kanye and Kim are, like, horrible people. I don't like what Kanye does. I don't like the influence that he has and how he uses it. Um, but just because you do something right, like just because you do one right thing doesn't negate all the wrong that you do. And if Trump were to get ASAP Rocky out, that doesn't absolve him for all the bullshit that he's already done and continues to do. It's just one rich person helping another rich person out. And the rich person that he's helping out said that he, he don't give a fuck about no Ferguson when Mike Brown died because shit, he stays in Soho. Yeah. So fuck ASAP Rocky. That, <laughs> I, That's real, though. I don't have time for that shit. And people are like, oh, he's helping. Like, fuck that. The rich, like, because as much as this is about race in, the, in this country, it's about class. And because Trump don't really give a fuck about poor white people either. Like, we have to, like, we have to put this in perspective. It just so happens that poor people are mostly minorities. But Trump really don't give a fuck about poor white people either. And the friends that he have are rich and black. They're not their friend, his friends because they're black. They're his friends because they're rich. So it's a class thing just as much as it's a race thing. It just so happens that a lot of us fall in between these lines. And we're fighting for social justice because we've been oppressed. And a lot of white people just haven't necessarily dealt with that level of oppression. But for Trump, if you're rich, you hanging out with Trump. He hangs up with rich people, except for the rich people who openly speak out against him. You know what I'm saying? So it's like this whole ASAP Rocky thing, like... If the motherfucker was in jail and it's this time next year, okay, we can have a conversation about this. But, dog, the motherfucker been in jail three weeks. Chill out. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if he beats the case, man. And if he comes home, I'm sure Trump will invite him to the White House for some Big Macs and some Burger King. Who, who knows, man? That's, that's just the game he's playing now. So it's just funny to sit back and laugh and somehow Kanye get roped into this again. My friend Kanye, he just... If you get close enough, he'll use you for his agenda. Of course, I mean that's what he does. That's how you became <laughs> the fucking president. Like people are stupid. People are <laughs> stupid, and there's more stupid uh, people than smart people, and that's how you win a presidency. Yeah. So, uh, boxing, like we touched on, you're in Dallas this week. Um, before we get into the Pacquiao kind of recap that we had from last weekend, because we were both at that fight. You're in Dallas for the Hooker Ramirez boxing match this weekend. 
What the hell was this press conference? Um, I mean, it was at a place called uh, Don't Tell Supper Club, which is like a uh, burlesque club. So that's that was the reason why old girl was coming from the ceiling with the titles. Fuck that, though. It's a good fight. So, like, <laughs> before we talk about Pacquiao Thurman, um, so because I was there. So, you know, Leonard Ellaby is like, yo, you coming out? Because this weekend, Javante also fights, yeah. which in Baltimore. You coming to see that? No. Why not? And then he remembered, oh, you were for the zone. Yeah. But that's he was like, but it's a good fight. And I was like, but this is a much better fight than Javante Davis versus that dude Nunez who was going to murder in front of all of his friends and family in Baltimore. Hooker versus Ramirez is a unification fighter at 140 pounds that we're getting closer to having an undisputed uh, champion in that division. Yeah, because everyone's decided to bounce on that division. Yeah, like, I mean, well, I mean, the, the division has Jose Ramirez, Mo Hooker. Um, you have Josh Taylor and Regis Progray. Those are your champions of 140. Those, they're legit. Progray is a good champion. And, and Progray and Taylor are meeting in the finals of the, the uh, World Boxing Super Series. So they're going to unify their titles. And the winner of this, they want the winner of that. So it's like, we're going to have an undisputed champion. And Ramirez, for all sake, like Ramirez is an awesome fucking fighter. Not even just as a fighter, but as an individual. He's, he's all about, he, he fights for immigration, the water issue in, in Fresno. There's a reason why Jose Ramirez packs 15,000 people in Fresno when he fights. Yeah. He's got a story and people love it and he can fight. The kid was an Olympian. He could fight. Mo Hooker, just really, like he's a different kind of guy. He's a role warrior. He had to go to Manchester to get his first title. He's fighting in Texas defending the title for the first time. His first title defense, he had to fight Alex Saucedo in Oklahoma, in Saucedo's backyard. That's weird. Like, I'm the champ. I gotta go somewhere else to somebody <laughs> else's place to defend it. But that's what Mo Hooker does. And I mean, we got it's a good fight. I mean, it's a good fight between 140 pounders. I spent some time with Tevin Farmer last night. Um, I, he's still talking shit about Javante. He really wants to fight him. I want to see that fat, that fight bad, yo. Like at this point, just because of the bad blood, like let's just make it happen. It's so crazy because Tevin Farmer and Javante had that run in like four years ago. I want to say it was 2015 or 14, and. Tevin wasn't even close to what he is now. And, and I'm not saying Tevin's a world beater. I'm just saying Tevin wasn't even sniffing a world title shot. Yeah. Now, he's a, now he's a champion. And if you want to unify the division, you have to fight him. And, I mean, personally, I think Javante's a better fighter. But Tevin's improved so much in these past couple of years. Now it's become interesting if they can ever make the fight happen. And this My is great because he needs to prove it against someone. Like, that's the only thing about Javante. He hasn't been tested. And that's, that's my qualm with Javante. Javante's fighting in a division where he's about to outgrow it because anytime you see Javante when he's not fighting, he does have the Adrian Broner shit popping off where he yeah. gets kind of fat. He's a big boy. <laughs> so at a certain point, just like Broner did, you can't make 30. You can't do it anymore. You can't make 35. You're going to be up there with the big boys, and then you realize you're too small for the division. That I hope Javante figures that part out, but I hope we get some great fights out of him until then because – there is something about Javante Davis that is different than a lot of people. People come see him fight. Like, he brings them out. And, oh, and he's, fun, he's exciting to watch. So that's what we have this weekend. It's two great fights. I'm, personally, this Hooker-Ramirez fight, I've been going back and forth. I don't know who to pick. Uh, Hooker's 5'11", fighting at 140 with an 80-inch reach. That's fucking insane. Insane. So I don't, if, if Ramirez can't get inside on Hooker, it's going to be a long night. So it'll be interesting, man. It'll be an interesting fight. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to the Javante fight. It's back-to-back weekends of good boxing. Um, last weekend, 
we had, you know, Pacquiao Thurman, but another huge headline off of last weekend is two very unfortunate uh, endings to fights. Um, two boxers passed away this past week from injuries suffered in fights. So um, Hugo and Maxim both went to the hospital with swelling in the brain and didn't make it. This highlights how dangerous of a sport boxing truly is and how these guys risk their lives every time they go in there. Um, man, Maxime's corner did a great job, though, uh, towards the end of the fight and throwing in the towel and telling their fighter, like, hey, man, we're trying to save your life here. But unfortunately, it didn't come to fruition. It didn't help in the long run. But it really opens eyes to how much damage you allow these guys to take. And boxing specifically, I, see, I feel like even in MMA, we don't really see this level of, you know, go to the hospital, this guy's in an induced coma. We've seen like five induced comas this year. Adonis Stevenson just came out of one. Like, it's crazy at this point. Well, you know, the thing that, 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 you, that makes this um, really scary is it's not, this is why it doesn't happen as much as MMA. It's not the guys who hit hard. It's not the one-punch knockout guys. It's the accumulation of your brain rattling around in your skull for 12 rounds. So, you know, and some guys have, have taken a, a lot of punishment in fights. Some guys don't. In MMA, it's, you know, people look at it as such a violent and brutal sport. But, you know, the fact that those gloves are so small, you know, a one-punch knockout is really just that. You go to the doctor, you get stitched up, and you're fine. You might be concussed depending on how your head hits the canvas or how hard you get hit. But it's not an accumulation of, like, 50, 60, 70 punches around to the head. Yeah. So you have these, light, like these lighter-hitting guys. Like, if anybody watched the Dada fight, it wasn't like he was getting hit with the biggest shots. It was just an accumulation of punishment. And especially when you're fighting a guy – and I'll, I'll use Tevin Farmer as an example because Tevin Farmer is not a knockout guy. But he'll hit you. Now, if you keep getting hit, it's going to wear on you sooner or later. Um, you know, they talked about dehydration. They talked about so many other things. There have been questions of whether you should have uh, stopped the fight earlier. I don't fucking know. Some yeah, guy, like, like, you don't, how do you tell that? Like, in the yeah. moment, it's it's so hard to decide. Especially if your guy, if your fighter doesn't touch the ground. You know, if there's not countless knockdowns, like, there's, there's no indication. It's impossible from the outside to, like, unless you see very specific things. Um, Tim Bradley kind of talked about it. Like when fighters drift to the left or right when they're walking, that means you're concussed because your, your vision is blurred and things are going on because obviously he knows because his fight with Provodnikov. Um, I mean, Tim Bradley was fucked up for like a year. Yeah. Um, so he could speak on it. But it, it's just really hard because like Buddy McGirt did what he had to do. It was entering the 12th round. But it also should teach a lot of us a lesson. And I was in fighter meetings today uh, with Mo Hooker, Ramirez, Tevin Farmer, Ammo Williams and a bunch of those guys. And, you know, the conversation in fighter means never really go public. But the one thing we did talk about that I, I have no problem talking about is our responsibility as fans, commentary, and writers to be careful when we call fighters quitters. Hmm. It's, it's um, because if you looked at the fight when uh, what, what Diego De La Hoya just fought recently and got stopped by a body shot. Yep. And people called him a quitter. But some guys, you know what you can take. And you saw that uh, with Walters against uh, Lomachenko. Like, at a certain point, 
you know, and, and guys do quit. And it, I mean, the, the term is quit, but it's, it's when we start ridiculing them, you know, especially from an accumulation of punishment, like we want them to be macho until they die. And then we go back and say, oh, man, maybe you should stop the fight. You can't have the shit both ways. Yeah. Like I have an unhealthy obsession with violence. It's just me. I love boxing. I love MMA. I love pro wrestling. I like what the I enjoy what these guys do to entertain us. But I'm, I, I even me, I have to temper myself because when a guy like when when Victor Ortiz had quit, I don't know what's going on in his body. Yeah. His body could be telling him something to quit to stop fighting. We gotta be more cognizant to that because, dude, these guys dying in the ring like it's not like Z Gora was a guy. I don't know if anybody remembers that fight. It was like ten years ago. He got knocked out, and we were like, "Oh!" And they stopped the fight. And we was like, "Oh, they might have stopped it too early." And then he went into a, a coma for like a year. Yeah. And it was like, "Yo, like calling guys quitters, like you can't do that. Like the shit, I I can't do what they do. So I can't I, I can't call them a quitter. I can critique their performance. I can say they should have done this or that." I could say maybe you're not built for this if you quit multiple times because that is a thing. If you're not going to get off, if you just are a quitter in that sense. But if it's an accumulation of punishment, fuck that. Some guys are like, oh, he could have got up. No, he couldn't have. No. He didn't want to because he knows what he's feeling inside. You live to fight another day. That's real. That's <clears throat> real. Sometimes you just gotta you, and that's the hardest thing about athletes in all sports. But I like interviewing fighters, talking to fighters. There's like. There is. There's still this mentality of, I will die in there. Like, yeah. in their mindset. Like, yo, I, I don't care. Like, you, they will have to take me out of here on the stretcher for me to stop fighting. Or for me to, before I give up. They, they have this mindset going into fights, and, and it's oh too real, though. It's like, it's something like concussions in football and all this stuff. Like, you, it's so hard to break, because that's ingrained into these people's minds. That like, yo, no, I'm. who cares if I have triple vision because I've been taking 20 jabs around. Like, that's part of the job. It's like, no, really, that's not. Exactly. So, yeah, it's so hard to break that, though. But that's where we're going. And unfortunately, we saw two boxers pass away. But the, the larger narrative now is being spoken on. On You know, it's time for everyone to become more aware and to protect these fighters. Because at the end of the day, they're here to entertain us, right? They're here to put food on their family's table. They're not here to kill each other. As violent as it may look, and we want that perceived notion of violence that, you know, you say you like that, I like, that's why we watch. But it shouldn't be that actual, it, there's rules for a reason. This is a sport for a reason. People aren't supposed to be in there fighting to the death. So we... we all in all avenues, like you said, fans, journalists, everyone. It's our responsibility to make sure that you know we all get smarter and make sure everyone's protected. Um, Pacquiao Thurman, though, coming away well, from this fight. Before we talk about Pacquiao Thurman, we just talk about the beating that Caleb Plant put on Mike Lee. Woo! You listen. I want to see this fight. You call me crazy because you're like, there's no reason like to have this be the most anticipated fight. He's gonna whoop up on him. I said, I know, but I want to see someone who's been talking trash get, you know, have to eat their words. And boy, did he have to. It didn't even take long. Dropped him in the first and then just drug it out a couple more rounds, stopped him. I, I believe, what, the fourth round? Third. Third. Third round. So it was like, man, it, it's two different levels. And now Caleb Plant, we have to look at him in the, in the regard of, yo, is, is this kid the re real deal? Like, has he arrived? 
Yeah, I don't think there's any question that he's arrived. I think the, the more interesting thing is, I mean, you look at the division, you look at 160 pounds, um, 168, my bad, and you you look at, you know, they just announced the date for David Benavidez versus uh, Anthony Durrell to try to unify these titles. Yeah. Um, and then you still have Callum Smith, but fuck, man, like, Caleb Plant's serious. Like, he's unbeaten, and, you know, he looks good doing it. And they, he put a beating on Mike Lee, and I fully expected it. I just, I saw him to his publicist, and I was like, yo, I think it's going to go seven rounds. He said eight. We were both wrong. Like, Caleb beat the shit out of Mike Lee. So now he's going to probably sit, you know, he's getting married in October to a Jordan Hardy from Fox. And uh, he's not really going to take any time off. He's going to get back in the gym because he, he wants to fight the winner of Benavidez and Anthony Durrell, which is going to be Benavidez. That, <laughs> that, listen. I've talked about him previously on the show. I wrote a story about him, you know, him and his brother. You know, obviously, Jose Benavidez lost to Terrence Crawford. But David Benavidez is only 22 years old. And he doesn't have, like, a great-looking body. But I've never seen a 22-year-old throw hard and effortless eight-punch combinations. It is fucking scary what that kid can do. He just looks so so different. Like, yeah, like his frame is just so weird and wiry. He looks well, like a well, Diaz brother. The reason why is because he what, he used to weigh two hundred and sixty pounds. He fought to he like he started boxing to lose weight, so that's why his body looks the way it does. because ah, okay. he was he was a fat kid. He was like <laughs> he, he might have, yeah like two twenty two forty somewhere around there, and he fought to lose that weight. So his body is never going to be super impressive. Then the he, cocaine I mean, suspension was kind of odd. Well, yeah, I mean he was young and dumb. I mean think yeah, about I mean, it. Listen, you yeah, I'm he not was gonna... twenty. Not and he took one it. for trying something, dude. And, he's a young he kid. It. Yeah, and he yeah. took it. Like he, he didn't deny it. He ain't John Jones' situation. He was just like, yo, yeah, I did it. Oops. I'll take my lumps. Took his lumps and he's back. And now he's gonna probably beat up Anthony Durrell, and then we'll eventually see a Caleb Plant versus uh uh David Benavides fight. And it's that's one of the best fights you could put together. It's gonna be an excellent fight, but yeah, I just wanted to talk about that because Caleb, like people were like, Is he you don't think he's that good? Fuck out of here. No, Caleb he's the truth. <laughs> And 168 is such a, a crazy place because so many people from 160 can move up effortlessly that it gives you a good mixture of fights that you can make. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. If you need to. So, like, those those two weight classes are great. I mean, we saw Canelo jump up to 168 just because, you know, yeah, in, in the middle of two fights. Title. He took yeah. a little alphabet title. That's cool. But he just I mean, wanted to test it. Like, we, we can see guys from 160 be like, yo, there's no reason a Charlo can't be like, all right, cool, let me just move up here real quick. You know, there's no one down here on PBC side that's really want to fight me. Let me go up here and test my hands. Like, there's there's these cool little matchups within a matchup available at 168. Um, so that's that's good. But Pant's going to be in that mix for a while. Uh, Pacquiao Thurman, we were there afterwards, not so urban loitering. We were uh, chilling, trying to, you know, we were talking. We are talking about the StarCast show chopping it up after the fight, and we're just chilling in the lobby, talking. And you know what? The urban loitering was at a minimum. Yeah, we, we thought it was going to be more. But Pacquiao bought up the people. That that arena was like 95% Filipino. Yeah, They I just mean, didn't stay around the loiter. No, I mean, there was more urban loitering early, so I don't know if they all went to the club or what. Because when I first <laughs> got there, I was like, yo, it's a lot of black folks here. I was like, wow. And I know Keith ain't really bringing him out. I guess yeah. the idea of a big fight brought him out. But... You know, Sir Osterado, yeah. it was what it was. But you gotta be, you gotta be in line at Dre's at eleven. 
if you're trying to get comps. So, like, I mean, they were there for the beginning of the fight. They watched the, the finish, and they had to bounce. It's that club yeah. life. And, uh, I mean, shit, let's talk about the fight. Look, look, I picked Pacquiao. I think you picked Pacquiao. Did you pick Pacquiao? Yeah, picked Pacquiao by decision. Yeah, um, I-, I wasn't surprised. A lot of people, a lot of, you know, the spots I did on other shows, a lot of people were surprised I was picking Pacquiao. I wasn't sure why. Um, Keith Thurman, between the long layoffs and the lack of uh, killer instinct that he's demonstrated recently, I, I didn't see how he could be Pacquiao. He was going to have to outpoint him and be more active. So I didn't think that was his game. And it pretty much played out that way. It To the point of, I was even shocked how good Pacquiao looked, especially early. And it seems like this camp, maybe he took more serious, you know, less Senator Manny and, and more Boxer Manny came into this camp because he came out and for the first five rounds, he looked like a 30-year-old Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, I mean... I think I said it last week. I, I, it's never been a question about his ability. It's been a question about his desire and his desire to hurt people. And he hadn't wanted to hurt people in a long time. And recently he's found the interest in hurting people again. And it works. And I think there's also something too. I don't know how much it is that adds to it. But when he got knocked out by Marquez, maybe he got, got a little gun shy at one point. And now he just doesn't give a fuck. Because... The thing that surprised me the most, it wasn't Pacquiao's aggression. It wasn't necessarily um, his speed. I, I expected all those things because he's been dynamic, explosive. He's still that guy even at 40. But he took eight, and I counted them because I watched the fight again, eight punches from Keith Thurman that were hard right hooks from a legit 147-pounder, and he just walked right through them. That shit is what got me more than anything else because, I mean, he wasn't even buzzed. This is a guy called One Time. Yep. And couldn't phase him couldn't phase him i also think that keith thurman really should have took another fight instead of fighting pacquiao next like after the jose cesar lopez fight he wasn't all there and you could tell because he fought his way back into that fight in the middle rounds he started timing and manning a little bit better started moving around better like he needed another fight before the pacquiao fight and now he learned his lesson like you just don't jump in cold with a guy named manny pacquiao you just don't do it yeah i mean he loosened up but i also think it was a. Uh... A mixture of Manny pacing himself. Manny went so hard for the first five that, you know, he, he paced himself. And then we saw in the 10th when he kind of turned it back up, he almost, you know, put Keith down to the mat again with a body shot that literally drops anyone else. And that's another thing. I think we've talked about Keith Thurman a lot, and, you know, whether he wants to do it. His resolve is ridiculous, you know, because this is the second time he's eaten a major body shot in a fight and didn't even take a knee. No, he just, he just, he fought, he fought back. Like he, he sucked the air in and he was just like, all right, let's keep going. Like, cause that shit should have crippled him. Yep. Um, but more credit, credit to Keith. I think the guy will still be around as a 147 pounder. I think he needs to take some time. Like he needs to decide whether he wants to be a fighter or he wants to travel the world and smoke hookah and be with his wife. He's got to make a decision because you can't take one fighter, two fights a year moving forward if you want to be a presence in this division you have to be a little bit more busy he has to that's yeah, my problem the division will keep passing them up yeah i mean shit we just booked like we just confirmed errol spence versus sean porter and keith said when i talked to him before and i didn't print it he said he wasn't fighting again until 2020 which isn't all that far-fetched but if you're fighting in this july why wouldn't you take a december fight yeah, take a busy fight like adrian broner Cut a promo on him, 
downstairs in the MGM that was on Twitter, you know, went mini viral for Adrian Broner's sake. So, I mean, that's a good setup fight. Why wouldn't you no. beat up on a Broner in December? And maybe he will. And I hope he does. Like, somebody needs to beat the shit out of Adrian Broner. So why would, like, that immediately, that was one of the first things I tweeted. I was like, fuck all everybody else. What should Keith Thurman do next? And people were saying things. And somebody said Broner. I was like, exactly. That's the perfect fight. It's a fight that, one, will be, like, it, it probably shouldn't be pay-per-view. And hopefully it won't be. But it should be on Fox. And the build to that fight will be incredible. And it'll oh, keep yeah. Keith Thurman's name on the tip of everybody's tongue. And people will not forget about his performance against Pacquiao. And then you go fight somebody that still has a name. If you go fight some middling 147 pounder, nobody's going to care. But you need to fight somebody like Adrian Broner and shut his ass up. And that's what Broner is right now. He, he's the guy that'll keep you in the cycle. He'll keep you hot and he won't beat you. Yeah. So it's the, it's the perfect fight for Keith. Um, Pacquiao, where does he go from here? Because, again, great performance for much of the fight. He looked like a, a different, a younger Pacquiao. To me, if he wanted it, he could fight Errol Spence, uh, the winner of Spence and uh, Porter coming coming up, but I don't think he wants that. And let's, let's be real, Floyd Floyd was ringside. Floyd made the grand entrance. I, it's the smartest fight for Pacquiao at this point. I mean, obviously he wants it. I mean, I don't think there's any question that Manny Pacquiao wants to fight Floyd Mayweather before anybody else. I mean, it's just like Errol Spence wants to fight Manny Pacquiao instead of Terrence Crawford. That's the money fight, right? Like, that's, where you, that's what you want to do. But if I, like the interesting thing is, you know, we get we get to watch all these people on talk shows talk about Manny's performance and how he'll do against Floyd and blah 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 blah. Floyd really has nothing to prove, and I don't want to say fighting Pacquiao is a dangerous fight, but it's it's unnecessary. I know there's money involved, but when you've been out of boxing, when you haven't fought. A real opponent, because Conor McGregor doesn't fucking count. He didn't train for that fight. <laughs> if you haven't fought a real opponent since Andre Berto, and that was 2015, it's 2019. If a fight with Pacquiao were to happen, it would be 2020, and Floyd would be 43. And if there's no fight in between that, and Pacquiao's active, there's a lot more danger in that fight now than there ever was before. And you already fucking beat him. Yeah, it evens the playing field. Definitely. Like, I mean, but it's beyond even because it's like, yo, there was a time, as everybody remembers, Pacquiao Mayweather was 1A and 1B to a lot of people. Yeah. And then as time progressed and then Manny got knocked out and then tried to work his way back. But Manny was not really the same Manny Pacquiao. He didn't have that killer instinct. And that was always one of my things with the Mayweather fight. I was like, he picked him out. Like, that fight happened at the right time for Floyd. Terrible time for Manny. Plus the shoulder injury and everything else. But that's, none of that shit is Floyd's fault. That's what people fail to realize. Like, Skip Baylor says, you know, he fought a one-armed Manny Pacquiao. Who the fuck fault was that? Not <laughs> yeah, definitely Manny's fault. Manny wasn't missing that bag, though. But, you know, when... When, um, when Floyd Mayweather fought Jose Luis Castillo, Floyd Mayweather in the first fight tore his rotator cuff. It's the one fight that a lot of people thought Floyd Mayweather lost. But he fought with a torn rotator cuff. He said he, and then he fought the next fight and he beat the brakes off of Castillo. But he had a torn rotator cuff. Shit happens in boxing. None of that shit is Floyd's fault. So if you want to play with fire, because Manny, is, Manny has something to prove. Floyd does not. Manny is active. Floyd does not. 
Manny has his killer instinct back. I don't know what Floyd's doing. He's fucking his killer instinct is at like Gucci or Coogee, whatever the fuck he's buying. They're <laughs> on two different they're they're two different paths right now. It's the money fight for the fans. And even though there's a small segment of fans that be like, I ain't watching for shit. We're all gonna watch the shit if it happens. But dog, Floyd doesn't need it. Manny needs that fight. Manny's been fighting like this because he's been chasing the ghost of Floyd Mayweather. He don't really want to fight Errol Spence. He don't really want to fight Keith Thurman. He wants to prove he can fight Floyd again. So I don't know, man. If I'm Floyd, I don't really want that fight. I mean, there's a lot of money. But But there's another 300 mil behind it. So people are like, Floyd doesn't need money. But you know what? When it's 300 mil for, what, 48 minutes or so, it's hard to say no. Well, then there's this, right? Because it's not necessarily a case of how much money is too much money. Because for some people, there's never enough money in the world. You can always get more money. Floyd's rich. He's made investments. He's got a lot of money. It's not that. It's the, it's the tweet. It's the Instagram post that he made after that when he said, people want me to lose so bad for breaking Rocky Marciano's record. I already beat you. I don't, need, I don't have anything else to prove. Now that you said that, you can't fight Manny Pacquiao. In my opinion, now that you said all that shit, you can't <laughs> fight him. Because if you didn't say a thing, if like you, you stepped in the ring with Pacquiao after you won and was just like, yo, maybe we'll do this again, maybe we won't, cool. But once you make a statement that people want to see me lose and my record and my record and my record and I already beat you, I don't have anything else to prove. If you double back on that, now you look desperate. Like, it's the fact that it remains like if I win, like, let's just say, let's look at this NBA Finals. Toronto beat Golden State, a depleted Golden State, but it was Golden State. Toronto wins the title. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson go, but you didn't beat us while we healthy. Let's do this shit again. Kawhi would be a fucking idiot to be like, yeah, yeah, let's do it again. Fuck that. I already won. I don't have nothing else to prove. I got my ring. I'm going home. And he went to L.A. and he's doing all this shit now. There's no reason for him to go back. Now, granted, there's a lot more money in Mayweather Pacquiao. But what if Mayweather loses that fight? Like Mayweather's made a living off of the fact that he might come back because he's undefeated. That's really what Floyd has is that zero. I don't know if I want to risk that shit with Manny Pacquiao. Not there's, with, there's always enough money to risk the zero. And I that's just, what it comes down to. I just don't know if Floyd, like, there's a lot of money, but if he, if he, there's got to, Floyd's not an idiot. I think that's more important than anything else. I don't think Floyd's taking a fight dry like that. You can fight Conor McGregor dry with no training, no nothing. You can't fight Manny Pacquiao and be like, and I think when Floyd saw Manny, he was just like, well, that motherfucker's been active. So if, he, if he's going to fight, I got to fight. And being 43 is not being the same when you fought Manny when you were 39. You're not counting the 40. tension fight as being... Uh, his being active? <laughs> no, man, he didn't train for that. Like, you all saw Floyd's body. He, he wasn't running. Like, he still stays in shape, but you, everybody knows training for a fight is much different than staying in shape. But I, personally, I would like to see it. But after Floyd said what he said, uh, you can't take that fight. You, you just can't. So now you look like an idiot. And you just gave it the kiss of death because that means he's going to take it. I feel like whatever you say, the opposite happens in terms of I Floyd. Mean, <laughs> The reality is, is it's like this. Errol Spence, like, we look at this entire division right now. Now Pacquiao's a title holder. He's a WBA champion, super welterweight champion. Now he's a title holder. He says he wants to unify. Now, Porter has the WBC, and Spence has the IBF. And Terrence Crawford has WBO, which, for whatever reason, PBC doesn't want to recognize. Some sanctioned bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, if you're Spence, it's obvious that you cannot make 147 much longer. So you need a big fight. 
if Manny Pacquiao is going, and Manny Pacquiao shouldn't fight Errol Spence. He shouldn't. <laughs> it just, it's just not fair. It's absolutely not fair. So Manny, to me, Manny's two best options are Floyd Mayweather or Terrence Crawford. Those are his two best options. Just because Crawford's more his size, is what you're saying. Exactly. It's more his size. They, Bob Aaron fucked up the bag by not having them fight earlier, but now's the right time to actually make that fight. But those are the only two ways. Personally. I don't know how Al Heyman lets his guy now in Manny oh. go build someone else then. No, he probably doesn't. I'm just saying these are the options that are on the yeah. table. They're two mythical options. Like the yeah. Floyd, like Floyd Mayweather and Terrence Crawford, <laughs> two options that take a whole lot of work to get done. I, I feel like the Floyd is easy. That's a it's, handshake deal at this point. Just come up easy. with the money and you're going to print money. It's easy, but they're not like, ultimately, they don't have a whole lot of bearing on the welterweight division. If you're Arrow, you got probably won maybe two fights of 47. Yeah, you want Manny, but it's not really necessary. Um, it'll build up your name, so I get why you want to do it. But, dude, if you beat Sean Porter, you go tell Al Heyman, make the fight with Terrence Crawford so I can get the fuck out of this division. Yeah. I'm too big for it. Let me go beat him up. Because you beating up Manny, will just people say he's 40, doesn't matter. You beating up Terrence Crawford yeah, changes cause, everything. Because you still got to beat up Crawford, even if you beat up Manny. Then that exactly. just keeps you in two fights. But then, now the problem is, is, yeah, exactly. You're too big for the division. Yeah. He's going to outgrow. Like, as much as he said, dog, I just saw Arrow before he hit camp. And he was eating. And I was like, dog, how much do you weigh? And he was like, you don't want to know. I don't want to know. Because you, you look huge. You need, like, you need to beat Terrence Crawford. And then you go to 154 for a minute, and then you find a way to fucking fight Canelo. Somewhere in the that's this is what has to happen. That's the only way this shit is going to work, in my opinion. Everything else is kind of unnecessary. So, you know, we shall see. That's what hell of a path for Errol Spence. Um, let's switch gears. UFC. So we have UFC 240 this weekend out of Canada with uh, Blessed Holloway versus Frankie Edgar, a fight I've been calling for for a while, I think. You know, Max, since, you know, just the nature of him running through that division, he's beat almost everyone. Um, so it's nice to just give Frankie that last shot. See if he can do it. Max is coming off of a loss. So let's see if there's some rust there. Or, uh, you know, maybe just Max isn't the same guy after having a couple wars and Frankie can take advantage of it. Uh, so I think it's a perfect time for Frankie, even better than when he was supposed to get the title shot before, in my opinion. Um, catch Max without a ton of momentum. Coming up at USC 240. Uh, before we dive into that whole card and make predictions, though, Greg Hardy got the win last weekend. So quick. Do they? Uh, to me, they got to strap the Rockets to his back. I want to see him versus the Black Beast next. Like no more Mulligans. I'm fine with that. I, like I want to see Greg Hardy get knocked out. So how about that? So that's fine. <laughs> I'm with it. All right, that's a quick, quick and easy. Greg Hardy get knocked out. But I mean, the guy is crazy talented. And the power of his hand seems very, very real. So anyone that's going to step in there with him, they got to have some level of technique because he might put the lights out. I um, just, Drake Hardy's got a terrible gas tank, so I just need to see that get tested. Yeah. Don't need the gas tank to knock people out quick. Just, I mean, it, it worked for Ngannou. Just say it. This, Hardy's that level of athlete. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him next. Um, we have UFC 240, like I said. What main events? The prelims? I'm trying to go through everything to make sure. You know what? These prelims aren't great. <laughs> this is, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, these aren't uh, a bunch of great fights. Jeff no. Neal versus Nico Price? It's 
Yeah, it's, it's really a not a good pretty card. okay fight. Yeah, you're not missing anything. So, to the co-main, Chris Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer. Thing that stands out with Spencer to me is her size. She is bigger than Cyborg in my eyes. Like she's one of the first women physically who looks like they can stand eye to eye with Chris Cyborg. Age difference thirty four to twenty eight. Um, I just I I don't know. I don't think Cyborg has fallen off at all. So Cyborg by mauling. Yes. That's exactly what's going to happen. God, people that be like, Cyborg's washed up. Cyborg just fought the, fight, fought the wrong fight against Amanda Nunez. That was it. And yeah. She got knocked out. Didn't, didn't respect Amanda Nunez. And she learned. She, she don't learn today. She learned. And that's really all that was. Lisa Spencer got nothing for Cyborg. Cyborg is her last I mean, she fight. beat Megan Anderson and, and, so, and walloped her. Yeah, I don't care. It's just the, the bottom line is Cyborg is a different level of fighter. It's the last fight in her UFC contract. She's going to go out there and just put a to beat the brakes off Felicia Spencer. She might drag it out around, but I don't think it'll be competitive. Yeah, Spencer, most of her wins coming by submissions. So, I mean, it's predicated to getting Cyborg on the ground. Easier said than done. I uh, mean, the dude, people do this shit and they'd be like, oh, yeah, you got to get Cyborg on the ground. No, you don't. Because Cyborg is a black Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who just yeah. hasn't really had to show her skills. So, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. I don't expect that to last long. And then uh, Max Holloway versus Frankie Edgar. Like I just said, um, I I don't think anyone's picking Frankie, right? Like, I'm picking Max. I'll mm-hmm. give it third round, fourth round stoppage. Mm-hmm. And Frankie, yeah. Frankie is hard to stop. But Max, I mean, Max is no damn. He's no joke, so... It's damn near impossible to stop Frankie at some points. But um, Ortega did with the crazy knee. Outside of that, Frankie hasn't been stopped at all. So, I don't know. I think the accumulation will be too much. Um, I think maybe I think Frankie might get out of this fight. He, I, he won't win. I mean, he's only been stopped by Ortega. Yeah, so. there was an uppercut, not a knee. It was an oh, uppercut. I thought it was a knee. Uh, okay, um, uppercut. So, and Max isn't a devastating puncher. He's a volume puncher. Um, Frankie's got good footwork. If Frankie tries to sit on his punches, he's going to get beat up. But one way or another, Max Hoffman's winning this fight, and he'll retain his title. I mean, it's, it's kind of late for Frankie Edgar, but, you know, you finally got your title shot. There you go. You get beat up for it. <laughs> yeah, Holloway, you know, he has the similar style to everyone who's beat Frankie in the past um, and is a guy just entering his prime which is kind of scary to think about because it feels like he's been around forever. But he's just now entering the prime of his career. So we'll see how that one plays out. We expect it to go that way. It's kind of a low-key card for the UFC, but they're stacking a bunch together. We have, like, another one on August 3rd or something, another numbered pay-per-view. Um, so this is kind of like their, their rapid-fire season. I'm not too mad at it. Uh, WWE terms, though, switching over to pro wrestling, uh, I guess AEW first announced what we all knew. They'll be going 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights because basketball has Tuesday and Thursday on TNT. Two-hour show. They'll be traveling to a different city every week. There won't be one hub of tapings like we've seen with NXT or Impact or ROH. They will go live every week from a different location. What do you expect of this? I don't know. Um, this is a huge risk. 
And, you know, there's some people that be like, you hate WWE and you love all elite wrestling. No, I'm about to be critical right now. Um, Two-hour weekly show in a different city. Uh, the DC show was going to sell out. Their first show was going to be great. Second show, probably going to be great. Call me when we get to two months. Because I, I, I'm, I have some skepticism about this company running two-hour shows weekly in a different city and drawing well. Yeah. Um, because you only have so many niche fans in every city. Right, right. It's like, they, I mean, don't get me wrong. They could, they could put on a fantastic show. And, and I'm not saying right or wrong, but I have my concerns. Like two hours is a lot of time. It's a lot of time yeah. to do weekly television. And You're testing so what, the depth of that roster. Well, not only that, you're testing whoever's writing. And I, like I've always said about WWE, like I, you know, we all giving them shit because they, they took it upon themselves to have more um, shows and, and more time. But my thing is, what happens when somebody gets hurt? That, I think that's the one thing that people forget about with the WWE. It's like, yo, let's if if they plan out four months in advance, five months in advance, six months in advance, and then somebody gets hurt, you got to scrap all that shit and you got to start over. Yeah. Or, or you got to you have to turn the corner, like. Does AEW have writers, storyline writers? Because I'm not even sure who's booking this shit. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm curious. Like, once we get to two months, and let's just say that Adam Page is the champ, and he gets hurt. Now you got to completely change everything. Because what your show is built around is, is built around a guy who's hurt because he's wrestling weekly on a two-hour show. Maybe he doesn't show up as much. And I think... That's and I just hope they don't go the route of like WWE where you these really long shows. I would prefer personally if they're more like NXT, short, sweet, and brief. Hit me so it's like so I want more, but I I'm, I have my concerns. But maybe TNT, maybe they can pull it through. But I I believe when I'm seeing it, I'm not coming in this thing like yo they're gonna kill it. I hope they do. I just don't know. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting because again, like who's to say that. You know, Cleveland, Ohio is going to sell out. You know, Cody at the end of all these shows, he's gonna, he always says, will you follow me? Yeah, but how realistic is that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> for these people to follow you around the country every night. So, um, you know, people will go because they're like, oh, it's pro wrestling, like WWE. Or I remember this guy, he was at Dean Ambrose or something. But I, I think a lot of the tickets are going to be comp tickets. I think, you know, they're going to do their best. I, I think the pay-per-views will still do well if they run for a year and they don't try to do monthly pay-per-views or anything crazy like that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's going to be tough, I think. And again, they have to build. And I'm not sure if a lot of people are giving them that time and that space. It's it's a lot of, uh, um, how can I say this? I mean, there's a lot that they have to do to keep fans engaged. And doing big arenas might not be the way to do it. The one thing that, like, TNA, before they really became Impact, they had that studio. And they used to do all their shows at Universal. Yep. And it was small, but it, it was always packed. And I think that's what's always worked about Full Sail with NXT. It's small, but there's always people there. And those fans become very passionate about your product. So no matter what happens... You know that they're going to show up. You know that they're going to sing along. I mean, the Nakamura songs, like the chants. Like, but then when you hit the road, now you're in cities where you don't. These fans may not know you like that, and it's going to be harder to fill up. You know, if they come to Vegas to do T-Mobile, like it, you know, if they do the MGM Grand for Double or Nothing, that was great because it was a one-off. 
but then you're doing it, you know, 52 weeks a year, it, it can get dicey. So it's going to really test the metal to be interesting, engaging, have storylines that people care about. And again, it is a two-hour show. Not one, not 90 minutes, two hours weekly. It's a lot. I, I'm going to watch, but, I, you know, with raised eyebrows. I'm curious. Yeah, they're, they're going to go through the learning curves. And we're going to see that play out in front of us. And hopefully everyone just remembers that as they're judging them. Give them time. They're not competing with the WWE yet. Let's see them compete with themselves. Let's see them yeah. do what Impact has been able to do, for better or worse, for damn near two decades. So let's, let's see them stick around and put on a weekly show and see how good that is. Um, WWE then, and we got to end it on a somber note. Uh, <laughs> uh, Uso arrested again. At this point, they're just living the gimmick. Uh, so many DUIs, though. Like you, you worry that a guy is going off the the Jeff Hardy rail, right? Man, I mean, look, DUIs happen. I don't know if it's Jeff Hardy. This, this at, is at a, a rapid pace, though. Yeah, he's done too. He needs to stop driving. Like John needs to stop driving. John Jones. Like some guys just don't fucking drive. Like find another way to get home from the club. I, there's fucking Uber. I don't know why you guys are always driving. Yeah, and you park at the hotel, go and drink, come back. Uber, get some sleep, go to the next city. Yeah, I mean, you... I'm just saying, like, you know, I mean, if you're driving city to city drunk, that's not smart. So, like, whatever you're doing, just get a driver. But the funny thing is, I think this is going to start to test the WWE. Because if you're, they're not going to cut the Uso brothers, right? Because no. there's this fear that they'll go to AEW. But then it makes you think, how far can I really push the envelope? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> what can I do to get fired? And it might be nothing. Nah, so it's, you got to, like, slap Vince. Vince doesn't like to be touched. But I guess that only no, earns you a suspension. The one thing that you probably could do that'll hurt the WWE stock and get you released is just, like, stick a needle in your ass of steroids in Vince's office. No, Vince might like that in his office. As long as you don't do it in public, it's fine. Well, I mean, I mean shit, like... If they do a drug test. Like, fail a drug test might be the only way to get out of your contract. No. I mean, you look at, like, the Orton's Roman failed for a substance that, at this point, we now don't know what it was. Um, could have just been his medication. Um, but you, you look at, like, these style of guys, and they fail. They take their little six-month suspension, come back, or it's three-month suspension. Like, you, you have to go full Enzo, where he got accused of sexual assault. Like, you got to get me, too. To like the highest level, levels. It's it's gonna be interesting. I'm just I'm curious how far the envelope is gonna get pushed because it's gonna get pushed. So domestic violence, push. right? And so anything that hurts your stock publicly, it hurts the company stock publicly. Well, it's, DUI would would do so too, but I feel like they they give a slap on the wrist for that. Like, yeah, the last two we've seen is Enzo get cut immediately, sexual assault. And uh, the domestic violence accusations on, uh, what's his face? The cruiserweight, black cruiserweight champion. Oh, Rich Juan? Rich Juan. Got yeah. him cut immediately. And you, it makes you, I mean, you're not even sure because maybe now, maybe they would sit him down and talk to him about it. Maybe they'd be like, well, yeah, you know now what I'm that, Yeah, now that there's legit competition to snag up people. Uh, yeah, they're holding on to people for their life. So who, who knows at this point? Um, Raw Reunion was on Monday. Looks like it did a over 3.0 rating, so that's uh, 
a huge shot in ratings, like 0.7 better than the week before. And I thought it was a horrible show. <laughs> like if you got to live off of years past to get a three rating, you, it says uh, more about what you're not doing than what you are. I I agree with I agree with that 100% because like I said before, it's like, okay, well now what? Because now you interrupted all these storylines to do this dumb shit. Yeah. And I thought the, the show was fine for nostalgia purposes. I thought there was some shit that made people pop. But for the most part, I was just like, this did nothing because now you got to come back. And that, you know, they're happy. We popped the rating. So now yeah. we got to go back to what you were last week. Like, we, we, you was who you was before you got here. So it's like last week you And I get it. It's the last week of sweeps. Like, I work in a news station. I understand. It's your last yeah. week of sweeps. They only count your ratings four times a year. Fuck it. You pop the ratings for the last week of sweeps. So you'll go to USA and be like, look, our numbers were good. But you get three, you get four shows in sweeps every year. And the other ones were pretty shitty. So this just gets you afloat. So you, you looks like you didn't dip from last year in this bracket. Like, it, it didn't boost you at all. No. And then I guess the next end of sweeps, or it's the start of sweeps, is when they debut on Fox. So that's why you see, like, uh, the Fox thing is October First week of October. You see AEW first week of October. It's the first weeks of, of sweeps in the fall. So they want those massive ratings for three or four weeks in a row. So their sweeps numbers look great. I get it. What happens after that? Yeah, that's the question. Is you know what happens now? We're heading into SummerSlam with a card that I give us no shit about. Nope. And it looks like we're gonna get Charlotte versus Trish Stratus. Why? Yeah. Like why? There, there's no reason for them to be fighting. Why? Because Trish is from Canada? Is that the only storyline? Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, let, Let's look at this. And somebody tried to argue with me about this on Twitter. And I was like, no, you're not. Bad people were arguing with me about this. Like, Charlotte and Trish, I don't care. Like, I don't think Trish can still go. We know Charlotte can go. We're doing this for nostalgia purposes. And we're blaming Canada. Like, doing this in Toronto. So they're expecting Trish to get a huge pop. Yep. Stupid. It's dumb because it doesn't make any sense. And that's my bigger issue with SummerSlam. The biggest issue, match I have an issue with, and some people are like, why? It's Kofi and Randy Orton. And people are like, well, they have, you know, they have their feud from 11 years ago. And I'm like, I don't care. That's not what I'm worried about. My thing is, Kofi challenging Randy Orton for his title is weird to me. Like, Yeah, Randy, Randy did nothing to earn it or jump anyone or upset Kofi. Why exactly. is Kofi challenging him? Because he was disrespected 11 years ago? Therein lies my issue with much of the SummerSlam card. Much of it has just kind of been whipped together. Mm -hmm. And aside from Kevin Owens and Shane, nothing else here has been like building like this. No. Which their feud is built off of Shane gets too much TV time and which the feud just gave him more TV time. Right. So and, and it's you can almost forgive some of these things when you have, you know, extreme rules or stomping grounds or whatever the fuck. Yeah. But this is one of the big four. I'm supposed to get big payoffs. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for big payoffs at these pay-per-views. My biggest payoff is going to be, what, AJ and Ricochet? And that's not going to be a bad match. Maybe if they don't turn that into, like, a club versus Ricochet and the Usos. Well, maybe not. But, I mean, that could have been not even for a title. That's, it's just the build towards all this shit. And I keep saying it, the build. I don't care about the build. And when you do, like greatest Royal Rumbles and all this dumb shit and you do all this like fucking what is the thing coming up this weekend for no reason Smacksville or whatever the shit is called yeah what the hell is that something stupid that's completely unnecessary they're, they're, I, I know what they're doing just a they're televised house show yeah well they're, they're testing out content on the network 
Okay. Like they're trying to figure out, you know, what works. You know, they might be going to this whole VIP thing, make you pay extra to watch like Evolve or some shit. So I know they're trying to test things out, but you still have a weekly show that you got to run on two networks with the Fox deal coming up, and you have pay per views to make people care about. And if you can't do any of those, none of this shit matters. None of this shit matters. You could pop a rating for a nostalgia show, but you still are who you are. The match still comes off. You Stone Cold ain't showing up every week. You got to work with what you got, yeah. and what you got ain't working, literally. Because they're not, yeah, they're not investing in anything long term. Like the people they built organically, like Becky, what is she doing? Like, does, does anyone care about Becky's program now? No, like it's her and Natalia. Why? Because Natalia's from Canada. No other reasoning. It's so silly. It's it, like <laughs> Kofi's organic. Oh, why is he in his field? Oh, they had beef eleven years ago. Really? Like, oh, how about you throw someone who's earned it and wins into the title picture? Oh, wait, you can't because no one sustains a winning streak. Right. Or earns anything. It's like Samoa Joe is just in the title picture. He hasn't won since Mania. It's August. He hasn't won a singles match since Mania. Like, who else? Your champions lose on a weekly basis. You can't do anything. And I I like what they're doing with, like, maybe Aleister Black, right? Trying to set him up for an elongated winning streak. To make sense for a title picture. Bray Wyatt. He has to go on a elongated winning streak to set up for a title picture. Which would then make sense. But it, it's, they're starting from less than nothing. Like you're, you're digging yourself out of a hole. Like it's not like they're starting from the ground. Hired Heyman. You know, hired Bischoff and said, okay, build this. They hired them and they're starting from like 10 feet deep. And said, not only do you have to fill this hole, you now have to create a mountain. Like, what? It, it's just not, it's not even feasible at this point. That's why I'm just, I'm over it all until October. If they don't hit the reset button for October and the legit brand split on, it's not back-to-back nights anymore, right? So you're, you're splitting it by four days. Yeah. Your talent should split completely. They should have another draft or you're going to have the same guy show up on Monday or to start the work week Friday. So you're going to work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and have your off days Tuesday and Wednesday for the whole company. That makes no sense. Just split them. Give them more time off. Split your house shows. And we'll see if that's how it goes. But right now, nothing has changed because they were so deep in the shitty storylines that I'm not sure if it can. <laughs> yeah, dog. I... I, I don't trust it, man. Like I said, I, I, I want them to win. And people think I don't want the WWE win. No, I watch this shit because I want to enjoy it. I don't watch this shit because I don't want to enjoy it. What the fuck? Like, yeah. I watch it because I want to enjoy it. But the problem is, I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. So, it, it, it's, it just hasn't been good. So, it's like, now let's figure out what we're going to do about this shit. Because it's, it's not good. It's not good. Seth Rollins was your champion. Had a terrible run as a champion. Yeah. And nobody cared about. But like, we always agree that after SummerSlam is the best time to fix everything. Because it's like your off-season, right? Like, there's nothing until Survivor Series. You get three months of pretty much dead time to just restart everyone. And it goes both ways because, you know, the one one so-called off-season between SummerSlam and Survivor Series, we had Kevin Owens as champion when Finn Balor got hurt. Which was great. And that was great. But then, on the flip side of that, we had one year when Jinder Mahal was the fucking champion. That's very true. So, so <laughs> you but, rolled the dice. But at least that's the time where you get to throw some shit at the wall exactly. and see if that's, it sticks. 
you, you can figure it out because once Royal Rumble, the WrestleMania season starts, you've got to be set in your programs. So, you know, it's fun to try some shit out, but man, fuck. Make just give me something to care about. Shit yeah. just hasn't been good. No. And they're just, I, I understand ticket sales have been horrible. That's been reported, you know, across the board. But throwing just a bunch of Canada people on the card in hopes that, you know, people will buy tickets is ridiculous. Yes. How about you feature Sami Zayn, who's doing nothing? He always gets a big pop in Canada. How about you feature someone on your roster from Canada? Stop. Like, you know, like someone who's actually been doing something. Like Natty? That's a bless her heart, but just make it count. They, they give no reasoning for her getting a title shot. She didn't even beat anyone for a number one contender slot. They had one yeah. match randomly on Raw. Between four people who haven't wrestled in months. It, man, nothing matters. And that's, that's all that I keep saying. None of this shit matters. I don't care. At its core, <laughs> wins and losses have to matter. Yeah, that's it. Wins and losses eventually have to matter. That's what AEW keeps preaching, so I hope they're sticking to their guns. I hope guys on winning streets get title shots. I hope there's number one contender matches that make sense. Oh, this guy won a bunch of matches. This guy won a bunch of matches. It's elimination match. Tournaments. I hope they do shit like that. Like, just throwing people in matches that haven't been on TV, like Dolph Ziggler shows up because of title shot. Why? I don't get it. Yeah. Make me care. That's all. When he was getting care. squashed before he left, and then lo and behold, he gets a title shot, and he's right back to getting squashed. Pretty like, much. It makes no damn sense. So we'll see how the WWE plays out. Um, we'll keep an eye on New Japan, which we'll talk about next time. Uh, G1 is great so far. If you guys haven't been watching, tune in. Plenty of time to catch up. About halfway through the tournament, still great matchups every time they step out there. Um, so we'll talk about that. Top five matches so far next time we come. But that's it. That's our show for today. Dre has stuff to do in Texas. I'm here in Vegas holding down the fort. Thank you guys for listening to another week of the podcast. Follow us on social media at the corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Follow us on Patreon as well, at The Corner Podcast. Shout out to everyone there. New episode coming in the day or two here. So thank you guys. Until next week, we're out. Peace.